0: Learn more at marines.com. The Unofficial Bengals Podcast. Welcome to the Unofficial Bengals Podcast. This is your host, Frank LaPlaca, and I'm a Bengals fan for life. All right, this episode is going to be dedicated to reviewing the current headlines, as well as analyzing the Bengals-Ravens game. The Unofficial Bengals Podcast is brought to you by the Zedia Network. Week 17 Review, Baltimore Ravens, 38, Cincinnati Bengals, 3. Our fans wanted a fresh new direction two years ago, and that is what we aim to do in hiring a bright, energetic head coach in Zach Taylor. We remain bullish on the foundation Zach is building, and we look forward to next year giving our fans the winning results we all want. In Zach's two years, we have added many new starters and contributors through the draft, we have invested heavily in free agency, and we have acquired a talented young quarterback with a bright future. This season, we face challenges with injuries at key positions and missed opportunities. I am proud of our football team for fighting hard through adversity. That adversity and hard work will help us next season. We'll enter the offseason looking to shore up our weaknesses and amplify the strengths of our talented young core. We are not discouraged but instead feel motivated and confident that next year we will reap the benefits of the work that has been done to date. We must capitalize on the opportunities in front of us. Next year, we will earn our stripes. That was the statement from Mr. Brown when the season ended, so that does mean that Coach Taylor is going to be back for the 2021 season. I know a lot of the fans out there are probably disappointed. A lot of people wanted to see Coach Taylor fired, but I do hear the words that Mr. Brown is saying. We did have a lot of injuries. We do have a lot to look forward to in the future. And maybe there wasn't a head coaching candidate out there that they wanted to blow up the whole program for. So it looks like we're going to have year three with Coach Taylor, and I'm hoping that he continues to find his stride as a play caller, which we saw at the end of the year. His play calling was getting a lot better, and that all the other aspects of his coaching game continue to improve as well. I know he has the endorsement from the players, and he obviously has the endorsement from the owner. So let's get on his side, and let's hope that Coach Taylor leads us to the promised land next year. All right, so let's go over some headlines briefly. We're getting the fifth pick in the draft. So we're going to get a top five player that's coming out of college this year. It's probably not going to be Sewell, but there are a lot of other great options up there. It could be a wide receiver. It could be a defensive player, maybe a trade down to acquire a few more linemen. This is something I'm going to go into a little more as the episodes develop. But I just wanted to let you guys know we do have the fifth pick, which translates to the 37th or 38th pick for the second round, too. So we should get two dynamite players in the draft this year. They signed 10 practice squatters to reserve future contracts. I'm not going to name the whole list, but Jock Patrick's coming back, Winston Rose is coming back, Scotty Washington, amongst others. So it's nice to see some of those guys get another opportunity next year to grow and hopefully contribute to the team. Looks like we got the record for the most fourth downs converted in a season. We had a great percentage. And I love it. It's a pressure down. We seem to always make the right call, and the guys really seem to perform well under pressure. So congratulations. As I said last week, we are the most efficient fourth-down team in the history of the NFL. The 2020 Bengals. I'll take it. And they announced the opponents for next year. So in addition to playing our division twice each, like always, we're going to be playing the AFC West. You know, it's tough. You're going to bring in Mahomes. We're hopefully going to get a shot at Burrow versus Herbert. And hopefully we catch the Broncos and the Raiders while they're still building. We play the NFC North. Tough division. You know, you have the Packers that are going to still be good. Hopefully the Lions are down. Hopefully the Vikings are mediocre. And the Bears, you know, if they don't solve their offensive problems, you know, that that could be a good run for us through that division as well. And then the other two random AFC games based on where you finish this season, we play the Jets and the Jags. So again, you could have a Burrow-Lawrence matchup. And you could have a Burrow-Fields matchup. It'll be exciting to play against some of these up-and-coming quarterbacks next season because you know we have the best up-and-coming quarterback of them all. All right, so let's move on to the Ravens game. Let's start off with the coaching and the game flow. So first off, 38-3 is a tough beating from an AFC North opponent. You know, you hate to see that. And it came down to the trenches. You know, if their offensive line is getting that push and just knocking you off the ball and you're not getting any push on their defensive line and you can't stop the run, there's no way you're winning that game. There's no worse feeling than not being able to stop the run when teams can just get first down after first down and run out the clock, and that's what they did. If you look at the last quarter and a half of the game, they were just running constantly and, and draining the clock on us, so there was no chance for us to come back once that score you know, got away from us with that ground game that they had. There's lessons to be learned for next year. We're going to really have to focus on scheming up and stopping that team, and it's going to start with getting stronger in the trenches. I didn't agree with playing Higgins. As I said, there's nothing to gain this last week. Maybe a a milestone of 1,000 yards. But you don't want to put that guy's long-term health in jeopardy. He's going to be a star for years to come. He's going to contribute to playoff runs and hopefully Super Bowl runs. And you don't want to see him get hurt worse in a meaningless Week 17 game. And you know, that's what a lot of these teams do. And it's no disrespect to the Bengals or the NFL. But they push guys into playing when they're hurt, and it happens all the time. You see it across the board, and obviously he wasn't ready because the first time he bursted on that hamstring, it went on him. So there was no way that he should have been playing in that game. And Gio Bernard, they had him in in the fourth quarter. I don't really agree with that either. You know, you have a couple other running backs you want to give a shot to. Travion Williams was running well. You want to get him as many reps as possible. Not the best idea to have Gio in there in the fourth quarter in a game that's already lost. And then we were forcing it to A.J. Green all game, and I understand. He's been such a great Bengal, and you want to get him the record. And, you know, the two interceptions occurred because we were forcing it to him, and so it made us a little bit easier to predict. But I understand why they did it, and I don't disagree with them doing that. It just didn't work out. I wish he would have gotten two touchdowns and broken the record. As of now, he stands one shy of the record. And now let's analyze the first drive of the second half, which I always like to do because it shows how we game plan during halftime. So we're down 17-3, to we get the ball first at halftime. Now if you put together a good drive, you can make this a 17-10 game, a one-score game, you're right back in it. So here's what we did, we started off pretty creatively, they did a play-action play, and threw a pass to sample for 7 yards, good start. Next play was a jet sweep to Boyd, a very good fake, I didn't even know he had it, he ran for 11 yards. So two creative plays to start. Now we have a first down. Then you get a false start from Seaton Carter. Those are drive killers. Holding is a real drive killer, but even when you start off first and 15 against a team that's killing you in the trenches, that's a tough penalty, and that's what happened. So we got our initial first down with two good play calls, and now we're at first and 15. First and 15, they run Geo to the right for two yards, unsuccessful. Then an incomplete on an out to green. And then an incomplete on a go to Green, and Green wasn't even looking on that one. So we ended up with a penalty and three unsuccessful plays after those first two plays. Not a good first drive out of the second half. And then the second drive, we went three and out. There was a short run, an incomplete pass, and then Brandon Allen got pressured and had to just throw it out of bounds. So two very bad first drives to start the second half. We had an opportunity to jump back into the game, but unfortunately, due to these two drives, we weren't able to. And then it just really got away from us from there. And the last thing I wanted to review about the game flow is, again, I don't like when you defer when you're playing a team that's better than you. We all knew we were going to have a hard time stopping that running game, and they were going to own time of possession, and obviously we saw what happened. It got really bad. But you don't want to go down 3 nothing, then all of a sudden 10 nothing, and now you're chasing that team, and they're just teeing off on you. You can't get any passes off. Their front is able to stop you in the run game. So I know a lot of teams are deferring, and it's probably something with analytics, But when you're playing a team that's better, I say do not defer. Get the ball first, get momentum, and don't have to play catch-up for the whole game. All right, so let's move on to the good and bad from this game. As far as offensively, the good was Higgins' 39-yard catch. Unfortunately, Mike Thomas had the pass interference, kind of ran that pick play there. When I saw the formation right before the ball was snapped, I was like, they're going to get Higgins on like a little slant in and have the other two guys kind of, you know, push the defenders out. And sure enough, that's what they did. I was kind of happy that I got it right. Higgins made a great catch and run. And before he started pulling up lame, I was like, oh, you know, we have a shot this game if we can keep doing plays like this. And then Travion Williams with that 55-yard run. I mean, we finally caught him on one play. What happened? There was a missed tackle in the backfield. There was some decent blocking, but that was mostly Travion. You know, he made the guy miss in the backfield, Had good acceleration at the line of scrimmage, and then it was catch Travion downfield if you can, and then they eventually caught up to him. You know, those DBs are quick. I was a little worried when he broke out into the open field. He was holding the ball just a little bit more loosely than you would like, and I was worried that somebody was going to punch the ball out, and that's exactly what they tried to do, but he hung on to the ball, 55-yard gain, excellent play to build on for next year. The offensive line was decent in pass protection. Billy Price came in and did well for the injured Trey Hopkins. You didn't even notice a drop-off when he was in there, and that's the key to being a great backup, is when you come in, there's very little drop-off. And Samaje Piran continued to run hard, so I'm really hoping that he comes back next year. Think about that. You have Geo, obviously Mixon, Piran, Travion Williams to pull in occasionally. Who knows what's going to happen with Jock Patrick. So that's a pretty good running back room moving forward. Onto the bat offensively, unfortunately, Brandon Allen struggled. You know, the game before this, we thought that we had found our backup quarterback. And a game like this against the Ravens, a divisional opponent, he may not have solidified himself as the backup for next year. We'll see how that all plays out. But he threw for 48 yards. I think his passer rating was zero or very close to it. Two interceptions. The one he threw off his back foot, which you're supposed to never do. And he lobbed it across the field, trying to find A.J., But when you're playing quarterback and you're throwing off your back foot, you have nothing on that throw. And these defenders are just too quick to have this ball floating across field and have them not be able to come across and either grab it or knock it down. That's exactly what happened. So again, respect to Brandon Allen for trying to get the ball to A.J. Green, but that just was not the time to do it. He was throwing to covered receivers a lot too, and that's been a trend even when he's playing well. I guess he has a lot of confidence in his arm, and he tries to zip it in there. And maybe our guys weren't getting the separation that we needed to get, but there was a lot of balls thrown that were contested. In a lot of cases, maybe taken off would have helped. And then, unfortunately, Brandon Allen was inaccurate on the long balls, and that's been a little bit of a trend as well. He's good on those intermediates and short passes, and we've seen a little bit of inaccuracy on the long balls. So you saw the curve with him. He kept getting better with each game, which was very encouraging. And then, unfortunately, he ends the season on a bad note against the Ravens. Defensively, as far as the good, Marcus Hunt continues to make a couple big plays every game. He had those two consecutive batted balls. I thought he was going to be doing that all game, but I mean, maybe they got wise to it and they started to throw around him or not in his direction. But it was nice to see Davis Gaither get the interception as well. He had a couple dropped INTs this year, and it was nice to see him grab one because I know that in the future, he's going to stack up a whole bunch of interceptions with the way he plays and the way he plays in space and his speed. And then defensively, we had that big fourth down stop on a run, but finally the one time we were able to stop the run, it came in the fourth quarter on a fourth down, and regardless of whether the game was over or not at that point, it was still a good moment to see us stop them on a fourth down, because it just felt like they were going to play four down football without any fear of getting stopped, and they were pretty much doing that all game. So it was nice to make a stand in that case, you know, give the guys a little something to celebrate. As far as the bad defensively, you know, we gave up 404 yards, I believe, on the ground, which is just an insane amount, and everybody was doing it. You know, you had Dobbins running well, Gus Edwards was running well, Lamar Jackson was unstoppable, even Ingram, who's seen spot duty for them, was coming in and having some successful runs. And again, they have good running backs, and Lamar Jackson is a great runner, but a lot of that is due to missed tackles and getting beat in the trenches. And that was the case with Jackson. He was running all over the place, and we weren't able to get any good hits on him. And, I, you know, I don't want to see anybody get hurt, but when you see their quarterback running all over the field, you almost want to have that one definitive hit, which kind of gives them the signal, maybe we shouldn't be running the quarterback as much because we could put his safety in danger. But he just seemed to avoid guys and skirt out of bounds on all these big runs. I mean, we might have gotten one decent hit on him, but for the most part, he was clean and just running all over the place. And that's what happens. There was a lot of plays that we blew contain on and let him get to the outside because we bit on a run fake. We weren't getting any push with the defensive line. And when they had design runs, they just had the key to beating us on all of those. It was very hard to stop him. And then when he scrambled, he wasn't throwing the ball that accurately. He had a couple nice passes, but this was a game that he was beatable because it was kind of one-dimensional. And then the other stuff defensively that I noticed, the linebackers struggled again. And then LeSean Sims continues to struggle. I hate to keep picking on him. I'm just pointing out what I'm seeing in these games. You know, he gave up that one touchdown in the back of the end zone where the guy he was covering came all the way across the back. He kind of let up and let him go a little bit and then tried to recover late, and the guy was wide open in the back right corner of the end zone. Then the earlier touchdown that they scored on him, he spun the wrong way. I don't know what he was doing. They were running a post, and when the receiver made his cut, Sims's first instinct was to turn to the outside. There was nobody to the outside. There was no reason to turn to the outside. So what happens was he actually spun around and, you know, beaten for a touchdown. He got beat for a big third-down conversion before that. He got juked by Dobbins once. I, I know I'm really piling on. I'm just pointing out the plays that I saw. If we're going to bring LaShawn Sims back next year, we have to figure out a role for him. And I think that role would be more special teams. It just seems like he's a liability whenever he's out there in pass coverage, unfortunately. All right, on to the special teams. Huber was outstanding this game. So our punting game, thanks to Huber, was really changing field position and putting us in a spot to be competitive in this game. Harris was perfect again and ended the season with no unplayable snaps. So, you know, props to him. One of the best seasons for anybody on our team this year. And Erickson had a good punt return, so that was nice to see. You know, I'm hoping that they bring him back next year. We'll see what happens with all that as well. So that's it. We can say that our season mercifully and mercilessly came to an end. But now we look forward to the future. We found our franchise quarterback. We have our wide receiver of the future. Jesse Bates is on top of the league at his position. Mackenzie Alexander was a great acquisition. DJ Reader, when he's healthy, is going to be big. We got some high draft picks coming. We have a fifth. We have a 37. Hopefully you get two guys in the mold of Burrow and Higgins. We spend a lot of money in free agency again. Let's fix this offensive line. And let's not get down. Let's not even have the mentality that we're a couple years away. You can turn this around quick if you have the quarterback. And if they find a way to protect him, we shore up the defense a little bit. I'm ready for playoffs next year. AFC North Standings the Bengals ended the year at 4 wins, 11 losses and 1 tie. The Steelers were in first at 12 and 4, the Ravens in second at 11 and 5, and the Browns in third at 11 and 5. The Bengals were the 13th seed in the AFC and they'll be getting the 5th pick in the 2021 draft. Handicapper's Corner The unofficial Bengals podcast final record for the 2020 season is as follows. 23 wins, 23 losses, 2 ties, 50%. The minimum winning percentage required for profitability at negative 110 is 52.4%. That'll do it for this episode. Next episode is going to be dedicated to reviewing the 2020 season. The podcast is going to continue in the off season with a whole bunch of guests. A lot of Bengal fans are going to come on. We're going to have Tom McLevy, Sands, Seb Talk Sports, Alex Finelli with some humorous takes. I'm going to do a roundtable with Tom McLevy and Sands. And there's going to be a lot of surprises in the offseason. So even though there's no football, we're going to try to keep it exciting and lots of Bengals talk to keep you hyped for next season. I'd like to thank at Bengals highlights on Instagram, the best page out there. Really cool highlights, really cool music. It's no wonder why he's one of the top Bengals pages out there. And I'd also like to thank the Zedia Network, the network responsible for bringing you the Unofficial Bengals podcast. You can find them at Zedia Network on Instagram or Twitter, and Zedia is just like the word media, only with a Z. Thank you for listening to the Unofficial Bengals podcast. This is your host, Frank LaPlaca, and I'm a Bengals fan for life. The Unofficial Bengals Podcast